and I I am in a good mood. I am in a really good mood. I'm really excited about my guest today, um, an amazing comic that I had the great good fortune of meeting in New York City when he was here. He's from L.A., so it's a very L.A. kind of theme show. Got nice weather out, very L.A. Um, yeah, I'm in a good mood, which is so random because there's really no reason why, but I'm very happy uh, that I am. So... And it's good for all of us, right? This is going to be a good show because I'm in a good mood. So uh, anyway, although being in a bad mood has its points, I must say, uh, you know, but most importantly, thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. We really appreciate it. We are really, you know what I found out that you can actually advertise. Like if you have a band or if you have like a comedy show, any kind of show, do you know that you can advertise for a whole month on our radio station for 50 bucks? That's craziness. You should totally do it. Okay, so go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and uh, check us out, all right? Thanks. So I want to introduce you to... Uh, my guest today, Michael Ruggiglio. I always get nervous about the names, but fuck it. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so here's my impression of Michael. First of all, he's adorable. But beyond that, like I was, I actually, we were actually on a bill together. I'm going to brag about that. We were on a bill together. And that's how I met him. And uh, I have to say, you know, Michael is an amazing, his presence on stage is wonderful. Okay. I mean, there's no question about that. But beyond that, his writing is fucking killer. Like he's really, that's what really impressed me about him is like, he's just so, so smart and original. And uh, I really appreciate that kind of thing. So if you really appreciate that, well, I think you're going to, I mean, he's great. You're going to, so here's a, here's a, here's one line that I took off of his uh, Twitter today. Okay, this is from today. This is just one. Here's a here's a tease, a taste. Here's what he wrote: I'm starting to think that having one billion dollars is bad for your mental health. Come on, it's great, right? Of course, uh, gives us all perspective. So, hello, Michael. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. And thank you for the nice words. Yes, definitely. You look at Elon, Kanye, and the the like. There's something going on here, man. I'm I'm trying to find the common denominator. I'm like, I think once you get that extra zero in the bank account, something happens in your head, man. Like, you go nuts. Having that much money is just, well, first of all, you have to be such an extreme person, right? Not a balanced person in order to earn. Well, you're, I don't think any, I think you amass that kind of wealth. I don't think you literally earn it. No, it's impossible. It's a power. We all know what it feels like to earn money and there's no way you can earn a billion dollars, you know? Yeah. The DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, who I love except for their name, um, uh, they they have a saying, which is every billionaire is a policy failure. And I, th- I agree with that. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Agree with how, that. Are we, how are we churning out billionaires? Well, well, the rest of us are getting poorer and the billionaires just keep a coming and a coming. That's the, when is enough? I mean, we have to be a reasonable society at some point. We are, we, we are not reasonable people. We are not a reasonable society. We are living so far off of what human nature wants 
and dictate. It's a fucked up plan. But back to you, Michael. Yes. So, Michael, you, Michael, you're here from L.A. You've been here. You have like, okay. I wanted. So I told Michael, guys, I told him I want to help him promote his shows. Right. But he's here for like a week and there's like way too many shows to promote. So we're just going to promote two. Yeah. Um, but you should go to Michael Regilio, that's R-E-G-I-L-I-O comedy.com and look up all the shows and go to all the, go to all of them or go to like one of them. They're all over the city. They're all a great place. They're all good. But there's one I personally want to promote. That's tonight at QED, like probably my favorite five borough place. And um, it's a show that Liz, Liz Glazer has. And, you know, she's brilliant. You will have so much fun. So QED is in Astoria. I'm not going to have the, look it up. Look at, you're not stupid. Look it up, QED. But we also want to talk about Michael's appearance at Gotham. And I want to hear about that. What, what Tell us the details or the times and all that shit. Sunday night, the 30th at 8 p.m. Gotham Comedy Club in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that one as well. That's yeah. a fun one because, man, the big stars drop in at Gotham. No, uh, Gotham's like really hardcore club. Yeah. Yeah. So, super yeah, fun. Looking yeah, forward to that. Yeah, that's going to be really good. And it's on West 23rd Street. If you, Do you know that, Michael? It's on West nope. 23rd Street. Uh, it's just get out the phone, like near type the, it in, and follow the instructions. That's well, how I get around Manhattan. It's near the Chelsea Hotel. And if you yeah. haven't had drinks at the Chelsea, have you had drinks at the I Chelsea have not Hotel? Had drinks at the Chelsea Hotel. Okay. Okay. Maybe if I go, we'll meet. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have drinks with you before or after or something. That, sounds that would be fun. fun. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah, the Chelsea's got quite a history, right? Oh, it's great. It's yeah. great. Okay. So here's the thing. Uh Michael, here's the thing about about you Michael that I am curious about. I'm going to tell tell you that like I did, you know, I do my research. Michael's also a very uh prolific musician. He was in a band. He has a band. Are you still in that band? Yeah, just played the other night. Okay, with Dino Stamp on top. Stamp. Stamatopolis. It's a tough one. And he's like super. Like, tell us, tell us a little bit about your band. Go ahead. I don't want to take up all the time on the music part. Okay. Well, the band is called Sorry About Everything, and uh, it's you know, I mean, it's amazing for me because uh, I was I I went to Berkeley College of Music. That's where I studied music performance. Waste of time. Don't do that. If you're gonna (laughs) go to Berkeley College of Music, study music production and engineering, film score, Uh, anything but performance. You want to study performance, do it in your basement for free. Just do it. Trust me. Waste. Yeah. I have a boyfriend, ex-boyfriend who's like a, a computer jockey now, programmer yeah. guy. Yeah, got it. Um, so. Um, so I and then I dedicated my entire life to music, uh, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I gave it my all. And I did several bands that I'm very, very proud of. I loved everything we did. I had some successes. I got to go on tours. I got to get on the radio. I got to do all That's the cool. I wanted to do. And then... Um, I decided I wanted out. I didn't want to do it anymore because, by the way, rock, rock and roll. God bless them. It, it, there is kind of an expiration date oh. if you're if you're trying to make it. You know what I'm saying? Like if you've made it and that's awesome. And I'm not talking about your ability to make rock or even perform rock. I'm just talking about your ability to do the lifestyle. You know, it's. I always say that it's like you hit a point where it's either you got roadies or you 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 got to get out because your back's gonna go out carrying that gear. Yeah, no, I mean it's crazy. Like it's not fun. Yeah. I mean, like the. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, so I was getting to tour and have uh, good shows and everything, but I was still 
carrying the gear. And I used to call it the math problem. So, so did, yeah. um, back to the comedy. Okay. I want to get to the, I want to get to the stuff. I want to get to the, okay. stuff. the look stuff. Look at me. Matt. Yeah. Look at me. She's moving me along. Okay. So <laughs> look at it, get out. And I'm friends with Dino, been friends with Dino oh, for a long time. How do you know him? Uh, from the LA, uh, the LA scene, just yeah, mutual friends, you, you know, just, and yeah, you guys, you guys connect because he's connect. a writer, you're a writer. He's a writer. I'm a writer. He's well known for, he was one of the writers on Mr. Show. He played Starburns on community. A lot of people know him from that. And he was, he had his own show called moral oral, which was a brilliant, uh, show on adult swim, which was loosely, loosely, loosely based on, uh, Davy and Goliath. Uh, and that show it's, it's been off. Uh, the air for a while people are really starting to know that big, this was yeah this he's was a big was, deal he's been like uh, i hadn't heard of the guy but when i was doing research on you michael i looked up that thing and i'm like whoa he's been on everything he's, he's written on, written for everything he's yeah. a guy you might not have heard of but he's written on all these major really really smart shows so you yeah. guys started a band together is that yes, what i'm that's hearing correct and he's the songwriter and is he's you wouldn't be surprised that a guy that has a pedigree like that is also a brilliant lyricist and a good songwriter. And it immediately became clear to me uh, at our first rehearsal, he was like, oh, dude, you're going to quit so quick this band because, you know, I'm, he considers himself a hack and he's not. He's a very talented guy. And, uh, and no, immediately I was like, these are great songs. I'm proud of the work we do. And I try and bring the absolute best so, guitar playing so I can to the project. where do you play? You play in L.A.? We play in LA a lot. Uh, he owns uh, Starburn Studios, which is uh, with Dan Harmon, who's oh. the creator of uh, Rick and Morty and stuff oh. like that. And they used to have a soundstage there and we would do these huge shows and they were so fun. And one day the fire marshal showed up and was like, what the hell are you doing this way? You cannot be doing this. And and they oh, shut it down. Man. So then we had to go back out and be, just become a regular band booking shows. We just did The Nest uh, last Saturday night. And uh, they call it, you know, Dino Stamatopoulos and Friends. And we, he and I, because the other band's not here in New York. So he and I do a couple of songs. Then we, he brings up somebody to do some stand up. And then he writes a, a sketch, and a couple of people come wow. and perform that. Okay. I want to go back to LA. I want to go yeah. back to LA and see that next time. I'm definitely going to see that. Yeah. So here's the thing about you, Michael. I, there is absolutely nothing about you personally on, on the web. Right. I mean, you, you've performed like this guy, I'm telling you guys, this guy's like done a lot of shit and this is all I could find out about him. There was a picture of him. I'm telling you the truth. This is what it says on his like about bio page on his website. Uh, um, he has a picture of himself like as a 14, 12, uh, probably. Yeah. Somewhere in there, somewhere 12 year old, 14 year old like a tween, uh, a late tween era. And it says, it's a, this is a picture and it says, this used to be me. You'll figure the rest out. <laughs> so I'm taking that as a challenge, guys. Yeah. Why don't, well, I want to start with this. Why don't you, like, what are you hiding? No, <laughs> I mean, um, you don't like, you know, most people, I'm just saying, have like, you know, a page of bio. What what What's up with that? What, oh, what's in your head? Break. Those bios are just self-aggrandizing, overinflated, uh, you know, and I just feel like people are too smart for that. Uh, Michael Rogelio started his career in Boston in the 90s as a rock musician. But that's, part of, but that's part of, but that's part of your, you know, that's part of the marketing plan. I guess, you know what? 
uh, I you would be very accurate if, if you accused me of being bad at marketing oh, and okay. bad at all that stuff. Like I just want to make art, and that's always been my thing. And I've been accused of it by many a ex girlfriend and even current wife, who I love with all my heart and soul. Of Shout dude, out. you gotta get out there and do. Okay. She always says, "Don't work harder, work smarter," and. You know, but oh, yeah. when it comes to like writing a That's bio, why we connected. I read people's bios and I'm just like, bullshit, bullshit. Uh, who cares? Who cares? Like, it's always like uh, people are starting to notice I, Jimmy I, Johnson. I uh, agree with you. I agree. I agree with you. And I guess in in Hollywood, if you live in L.A., it probably gets more amplified because there's a lot more. Uh, there are a lot more hot air there literally and figuratively. <laughs> so, um, so I started, so I was trying to like, uh, find out who this, who, who you are, Michael. And then, uh, in the, um, you know, we started talking, I was like, what are we going to talk about? And then you started telling me like a story about how your parents thought you were gay. And I thought that might be a good way in because we can figure out your parents thought you were gay and I'm going to let you tell the rest, but mm-hmm. I want to, find out how that affected you go ahead okay well it wasn't my parents it was everybody thought i was gay uh when i was in high school the way i look at it is i was like uh, in high school i started taking my appearance seriously i started uh, grooming myself combing my hair putting on nice clothes and as a result uh because it was the late 80s in a small town in massachusetts everyone thought i was gay uh well i mean i was you also don't have big arm muscles (laughs) Like well, a nowadays, that could go either way, you know. I mean, no, I'm like a, a musician. Buff. No, he's got, he's got, he's got a great, like he looks great in clothes. He's a great looking guy. I mean, really, yeah. And he looks great in clothes, but you don't have like, you don't look like somebody who's played sports. And and the, with good reason. And I'll give you a little reason for that, and that maybe that'll help you understand okay. me a little bit better too. I was actually born uh, legally blind in my right eye. Uh, I have a condition called keratoconus. And uh, it's called it's a corn a cone shaping of the cornea, which makes it impossible to correct because the lens itself is out of focus. So putting a glasses in front of it, you yeah. just be magnifying an out of focus wow. lens. So that that's not going to do any good. You could put what's called a gas permeable contact okay. lens, which is yeah, on your cornea and which pushes it back into shape a little bit. And and it was so I tried it so painful um, that it was crazy. So but I didn't really understand this. And by the way, uh, just Real quick, when they finally began to understand that I had this condition, it was at Boston Eye and Ear, which is one of the best uh, yeah. eye hospitals in the world. Uh, and the doctor was looking at me. He's like, "This is." He was his mind was blown. He was like, "Whoa, you've got it severely in one eye and not in the other. I've never seen wow. that before." Will you come back next week? And the following week, when I came back, I was maybe around twenty years old at the time. I'm walking down the hall to my doctor's office. And I'm just passing doctor after doctor after doctor, all standing in the hallway in lab coats. I'm like, what's going on? I go in the doctor's like, do you mind if my colleagues take a look at you? (laughs) And one after another, every doctor came in. It was like, whoa, whoa. And I was like, can we at least, if I'm going to have to deal with this, can we at least name uh, this condition after me? Can we call it Regilio syndrome? But no, it's still just keratoconus. But well, in, well, we'll we'll think of it that way. Yeah, it's Regilio. Syndrome. How old were you when when you know it started? How old How old were you at that point? Well, uh, at the point that they figured it out, I was twenty. But when they realized oh, 20, something was right. terribly wrong with my eye, I was five. But they thought it was a uh, lazy eye, and so I had to wear an eye patch over my good eye for years. And they used to have you do this thing where you'd have to circle O's in the phone book, like which would make your eye 
focus on it. So I'm circling O's in the phone book. I'm wearing an, uh, an eye patch. I'm getting made wow. fun of nonstop as the kid running around. And by the way, I'm blind, but I didn't understand from birth, you know, from uh, uh, that I, and even you as were, a kid. It was all normal to you. It was normal that I was looking out of one eye. It's like if somebody goes blind in one eye later in life, their brain understands that, hey, this side is out. Right, right. What I thought was my center was this one eye. Right, and right. so I had no balance because uh, I'm trying to center everything through my, my left eye. Uh, so I had no balance. I couldn't throw. I couldn't pitch. I couldn't catch. Uh, it gave me a bit of a, a, a rounded so, shoulders as I, I as I kind of leered forward to, to see everything. Oh. And so, you know, it wasn't until I really became an adult at like 25, 26 that I tried to correct it and teach my brain that, hey... I'm actually, the center isn't here. The center's here and you're just getting half the picture, so, you know? So how did that affect you as a kid? Could you not play in? Could, no, but they tried like, to force me. My parents, of course, I was on soccer, baseball. I used to strike out at T-ball. But how did you feel? Were you mad? Like, how, must have been no, so frustrating. Yeah. I didn't get it. I just, every everyone was just like, you fucking suck. Can I swear on the radio on this shit? Oh, fuck yes. Okay. You fucking suck, would you eat fucking pussy? You fucking suck. And I did fucking suck, but it, I don't know that it was because I was inherently uncoordinated or unintelligent or any of those things. I just was getting a wrong picture because when you're, you have stereoscopic vision, yeah. mm. your eyes are doing, a, I mean, your brain is doing a little magic trick and it's putting mm -hmm. two yeah. pictures together yeah. and creating right. one. Right. Well, I only had one picture because my brain was dismissing uh, half of so what it was getting. So how did your parents react to that? You know, at first, I mean, like, how did like what? Here's what I'm. Here's what I'm not. Or here's what's confounding to me. What's confounding to me is that there's something really physically, obviously, you know, um, different about you, and that your parents um, aren't noticing you as a person. They're just trying to make everything normal. That's what yeah. I'm getting out of that. And so I want to know if that's true and if it affected you and how it affected you. Well, I mean, it definitely affected me in that, you know, it's not good for the self-esteem. And by the way, my parents weren't actually forcing me to pay, play sports. Society was place, forcing me to play sports. My friends were forcing me ah. to play sports. I wanted to play sports. Ah. I wanted to be good at sports. Like I said, my first experience was t-ball. I would strike out. They would put the ball on the tee right in front of you, and I couldn't hit that. I couldn't hit a, a stationary ball. They would give me extra strikes <laughs> in games to try and like, hey, kid, come on. The ump would give me advice. He'd be like, a little higher, kid, a little lower. And, little. How, and how long did you have to wear the patch? That was a couple of years until finally they were like, it's not working. How old working. were you when you had, till you, how, how old were you when you had, when they, let you stop. Wearing. I mean, the memory is fuzzy, not unlike my vision in that eye. But uh, I, 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 I have pictures of myself with the patch on, still on, till like seven or eight. So you know. Oh, okay. But Enough were, to be traumatized by. That. Yeah, and but I mean, so it's humiliating to suck at sports. The bullies come out of the woodwork because you yeah. suck, and I was I couldn't even throw a good punch because I I didn't have balance and I yeah. didn't have aim. I didn't have anything. So you know, I was easy to beat up. 
Oh. I was easy to pick on. Hey, you know, it turned me into the man I am today. I know. And if, I you, know. if you're happy with who you are at yeah. this moment, you can't regret any of, the, of the, any of the journey that got you there. So I'm okay. I know. I just feel bad for that small child. I know. And hey, you know, I <laughs> wish more, fine now, but I, I wish more people felt bad for that small child, but they all piled on. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you, it was getting, you know, and kids, when you play sports, they have to pick sides yeah, and just I to know. see not just to be last picked but to be you're not last picked you're you're given to a team like all yeah. right there's just Regilio left and then everyone yeah. goes oh rolls her eyes go oh, god why uh, do we have to i i know that experience but as a female it's acceptable somewhat so it doesn't matter you know which is that that's a whole other social disaster as well so, um, did you have brothers and sisters? Uh, four sisters, three older, uh, one younger and one younger brother, family of six kids, wow. Catholic, um, very Catholic. In fact, my mother had two miscarriages, wow. uh, so eight pregnancies wow. and, uh, we're all within like a year, year and a half, two years tops apart from each other. So they were just go, 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 go. Nice. And uh, I like it's to say, uh, hey, great. they were, had regular sex. I like that. Yeah, I give well, them credit. Well, their divorce was an ugly one, so I don't know that there were. <laughs> I don't know that there was that heavy. Well, they had enough sex, and then, then yeah. it's done. It's well, done. and uh, but my mother was pregnant. I think two months, three months pregnant, had a miscarriage, and then became pregnant with me like two months later. Uh, so it's like I, I'm always like, wow, like uh, I got one, like like that. Somebody had to get out of the way <laughs> for me to. Come come into this world wow. you know and i mean i'm not a religious person but uh you know so metaphor- were they all like good it's like how did how did you how was your role in your family like for example like because were they all good at sports like how did that affect you in in the dynamic of with your brothers and sisters your eye uh well i mean i don't know that the sports thing affected the dynamic with my brothers and sisters and we're we're a variety pack uh, some of my sisters were excellent at sports and some of them were terrible at it. My little brother, God bless him. Uh, I love him with all my heart and soul. Uh, he was great at sports. He was like the captain of the football team and dashing and oh, handsome. Wow. So, I mean, my parents got the jock. Uh, we gave him the jock. And right. that was the first time I ever enjoyed sports. And probably the last time I ever enjoyed sports was when my brother was playing because then I had skin in the game, literally, or at least DNA in right, the game. You know? Right, Probably and made I, you feel more confident. Yeah, so I'd like going to the football games. I was a little oh, bit older good. and, you know, I would uh, go watch the, the But were they play. supportive of you or did they have any problems themselves or were you the kid that couldn't, like, was did it affect... Square when peg, you were round at home, hole. When you were at home because of your whatever your abnorm whatever you call it your eye did did that affect your dynamic like did people did your family have to go out of their way did they feel sorry for you how what what happened there i mean you know i you know i was a kid so i didn't fully understand i'm sure there were behind the scenes conversations of what are we going to do with this kid but the fact of the matter is uh, I, I love my parents my father is passed on oh, uh sorry. but uh they, it was a little bit of a, and this has probably nothing to do with the eye, but the fact that I was a creative kid, very creative kid, very diligently creative kid, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't buckle down and do the schoolwork, you know? Uh-huh. So I was a poor student. My parents were just determined to shove that round peg through the square hole, uh-huh. you know? And they were going to, and, and it was, you know, I, I don't like to criticize 
my parents for their parenting techniques. But as you get older, you yeah. can't help but notice yeah. that like, hey, I actually, guess what? I, I, I didn't even have say in being a person. You created a person and then you're responsible for them, you know, and my sisters were all excellent students, straight oh, A students, you know, so my parents didn't have to do anything. Oh, that's and then I came along and I like to say that my mother tried yelling at me and then she tried screaming at me and then she tried screeching at me and then she was out of ideas. It never occurred to her to like go sit down and help me with my mm. homework or anything like that. So I just had a, a mother screaming at me because I got poor grades, but she really wasn't uh, um, willing to put in any more work than to shout at me because her other kids just did the work, did the homework and it worked. I would go downstairs, which because my parents um, had six kids and the only place I could get any privacy was they put me in the basement of our uh of our home privacy uh, you know hey you know and um so i'd go downstairs and i would fantasize uh, um, i would imagine a movie from beginning to end wow. for two hours instead of doing the math homework or whatever homework yeah and yeah, I, yeah. there's failings in the american educational system as yeah. well that you know they, so so you were miss obviously misunderstood but not only that you were in a in a whole world of people who reinforce that misunderstanding absolutely so that must you know, have been so did you ever get your way out of that i mean you obviously have but like did did that that must have been really really tough and did did that change when you went to college or before i mean you're you're obviously a normal guy now or at least in the world that not normal people are in which is huge. Right. So, so when, when did, when did that switch? When did you start realizing like, Hey, I'm just not like everybody else. That's all it is. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I did you have friends, friends? And I always, you know what, this is my, you know, I think about this all the time. Most people aren't in this situation. I almost have all my friends from high school. Still. Jesus. Like we were supportive and we were the losers and the uh, nerds. Okay. And I think about the jocks and the popular kids. None of them talk anymore. And like we yeah. were bonded together. We were uh, brothers like in a war, you know, once you're, once you've gone through what we went through, you know, uh, I got to be the leader of the nerds, you know, Great. they liked me. They looked up to me and I did feel like I had certain leadership oh, qualities oh, in the group uh, and to this day, you know? And so I, I nerds are good people. Absolutely. We need more nerds, oh you know? God. And they say, and I've heard it said, you know, that the reason that you know, a lot of the nerdier kids or the kids that are picked on in high school go further in life is because they have more to prove. Yeah. Whereas the popular kids, they peak in high school. Like, Right. And then they just go down like they don't yeah. feel like they have to go out and prove something yeah. to the world. But, you know, the the nerds are out there going, I have got to show the world I have something to, to offer, you know. So by the time you got to high school, it sounds like things were pretty good in a way or where that what I mean, that sounds like a great position to be in. Or what was it like for you, though? I have no idea. I mean, it was again. I, I loved my life at the time. You I did. was happy okay. with my friends and running around. But my, okay. my grades were terrible. My parents were on me nonstop. I mean, my dad was, uh, God bless him again, but I don't like criticizing my parents because they were kind of thrown into the mix too by the Catholic church. Just go have kids. Don't worry about it. Let yeah. Jesus raise them. And so they didn't know what they were doing. They could have done a little more research. You know, my dad was just hands off. I mean, the answer to everything was ask your mother. Oh, wow. Ask he was a real, mother, yeah. he was a real, what? And also I just want to say as like a, a bullshit therapist, um, 
you know, we, we have compassion for our parents, but we can also be angry. There's a lot of, that should you, you have a lot to be angry about and it's okay to be, I'm just saying, I think it's okay to, it's good to be angry because you also forgive them. It's good. Good. Let's be angry. Let's be angry uh, at them. Yeah. They made them, you know, whatever they were, you're doing great. So, yeah. But, um, so, um, I was going to say, what did you, what did you just say? I just wanted to follow up. Uh, your, Oh, just my dad was, Oh, uh, what did your dad do? I want a picture of him. Oh, well, my dad was so cool. See, again, this is why I don't like the way the society treats us and the way that uh, the Catholic church, my dad was a very, very talented artist. Oh. I mean, his paintings from when he was eight, nine, 10, 11 mm-hmm. years old, were fantastic, you know, but he grew up in a world in the the 50s in uh, Chicago, Illinois, in a very Italian tough guy neighborhood, you know, Uh and he went off to the army. Right. And he just, despite his immense talent, which was obvious to everyone, he, he didn't pursue it. He gave it up immediately. He got a job as what was called a commercial artist at the time. So it was adjacent. Right. He was a painter. Right, right, My dad was a painter. He was right, an artist. Right, I know that's the right. part of the world that you come from, you know. Sort of. <laughs> and uh, that was his passion. And he could have easily become that person. But because of all the societal pressures, he decided to be a conservative man. You and know? what did he do for a living? He was a commercial artist. Oh, commercial artist. Right. Yeah. So he was what, like storyboards, things like that? I believe so. He worked for General Electric, uh, which they can go fuck themselves. To hell. Okay. His story with that corporation was a terrible one. They led to a lot of grief in our yeah. family. Oh. They, uh, they're ageist and they, um, my dad worked for them his entire life. And then like two years away from getting his full retirement benefits, they laid him off. I hate that. Well, he had, I think four kids in college at I the hate, time. I hate that. And they just, they did a number on him. And, you know, and yeah. me and my sisters, we talk about it. It's a quiet ban, but you got a GE product or I don't care if it's cheaper, better. I'm not buying it. No. That's me. No fucking way. Not after what you did to my dad and my family. Well, I'm signing up for that same program. I'm not either now. Yeah. I no, mean, it's horrible. Yeah. Horrible. And I mean, he's he, he, he became, I believe he was part of a class action lawsuit where he was trying oh. to prove that it was because if they laid him off now, they wouldn't have to pay out the full retirement benefits that he had worked his entire life fo- towards. You know, and that it was this this corporate bottom line, uh, which was just dollar signs and not not giving a sure. shit about people the American way, the American way, the American way, and and it was absolutely true that it was because if we get rid of this guy and this guy and this guy now, they don't get their full retirement benefits, and we save the dollars. Well, there's more to life than dollar. Again, getting back to Elon and Kanye. Yeah, did you? But did you feel? Did you feel? That he was frustrated. Were you frustrated that he didn't get to do it? Were you frustrated for him that he didn't get to do his art? Do you think he was frustrated? Did he ever paint or do anything for fun? Later in life, uh, after he after he was fired. laid off, fired. <laughs> laid off. Well, they called it laid off and yeah, gave know. you know half uh, a retirement uh, yeah. benefits or whatever. And uh, by the way, so uh, now he's sixty three years old, four kids in and in college. Yeah. My dad had to go get a job as a clerk at the post office, despite Aww. having been, you know, oh. and you know what? He loved it because he it, he's a people person and he got uh-huh. to, he worked the oh. window and he got to see, meet oh. the, the townspeople and everybody knew and loved my father. Oh. He was a wonderful, 
lovely man. But it's still, you know what? 63 years of age, suddenly you're a clerk at the post office when you're about, you were two years away from retirement from this corporate job you'd been working your entire life. Yeah. You know, and so. uh, And we didn't even, I didn't even ask you where, where, where this was all happening. Where are you from? Marblehead, Massachusetts. Also pronounced Marblehead, Massachusetts. Where all the white people live. All the white people, they're all there. I mean, yeah. So that was another thing about growing up was it was an incredibly wealthy town. Oh. And my family, we had a three bedroom house with six kids oh. in it, you know, I mean, and me living in the basement and oh. we didn't have a lot of money. And right. so we were made to feel poor and feel bad about being oh. poor, even though it's a badge of honor to learn to live without. That is yeah. a gift no one can ever take yeah, away yeah, from you. Yeah, Once you I understand relate. what's really important about mm-hmm, life and you don't, mm-hmm. but I had friends driving brand yeah. new sobs to school every day, yeah. you know, and my, this school district at the time was beyond garbage. We had a thing called open campus, which the kids loved. If you didn't have a class. You didn't have to go. You, you could leave. You oh, could go to wow. Wendy's and get a hamburger or go smoke cigarettes or pot under the bridge or whatever you wanted to do. But looking back, it's like, what the fuck? We were there to learn. We were there to learn and you let us just run around like crazy, crazy rich kids, you know, but I wasn't rich. My family wasn't at all rich, but the rich kids make you feel bad about not yeah, being rich. Yeah. Your family's did you, poor. Did, did you have any girlfriends in high school? What was it? What was your deal with the girls in high school? I did. I did. You I had did? girlfriends in high school. Uh, you know, um, I met a couple girls, friends that I am still in touch with this to this day. Like I wow. said, I'm pretty good with that. I, I, yeah, I, that I always is impressive. My, my, you know, um, my, te- my, my approach has always been like, we spent, you know, in very off, I was a serial monogamous for most of my life. Um, uh, and I still am cause I'm married, happily You're married, married with the, yeah. the woman that I'll be with for the rest of my, my days. She's even told me on like our third date, I will definitely watch you die. I was like, what? Really? She's like, no, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Trust I love me. that. I know. But I was like, okay. Um, but yeah, you spend years getting to know someone, and then just because it didn't work out romantically, you have to write them off forever. No. I don't. I don't buy that. No. I don't believe that. You know this person. You can be there for them as an emotional support, uh, or just a friend, yeah. or even if it's just a long distance friend. And we haven't talked in years, but if yeah. I see you or if you reach yeah. out to me, it's all good. Yeah, no, no I, hard feelings always, ever with me. I always think that's a sign of like a healthy relationship or somebody who can have healthy relationships if you remain friends with your exes. I have a lot of, I mean, I'm still very close to a lot of my exes. Yeah. Or, yeah, for Why sure. Why not? Yeah. Uh, so um, what was I going to say? So um, back to being gay. Right. So So what happened there? So that none of that sounds gay except for the, that you were misjudged on your ability for sports. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, I judge, I don't even like using this term, but you know, I didn't look like a manly man when I was in high school. You could say that I had you know, effeminate features or something like that. And I, right. I think that might be well, you're fair enough. Tall. You look great in clothes. You're tall and narrow, which yeah. is great in clothes. <laughs> and so the bullies called me gay. I, I, uh, I took a lot of beatings. Uh, I, I, really? I, I've told a, no, a number of my gay friends, I always say, you know, those bullies, they only had enough time in their day to beat up one gay guy. And when it was me, that meant that another gay guy got to go out and enjoy his day so you're welcome you're welcome i took one for you man but uh Excellent. so the bullies called me gay the, you know some of the, the the popular girls called me gay you know and then that that was a standard insult in the late 80s by the way yeah. fucking homo you know i got beaten shoved into a number of lockers wow. 
uh, in my day. But what ended up happening was, and this is so bizarre, and I think this is where you're gonna find you're gonna really be able to, okay. to t- tune into this because of your your background in psychology. Was they they were sending me to the high school psychologist. This is like this weird your parents ball after you? no the school, oh. and I didn't understand why. It took me years to find out. It was actually after high school that I was able to finally piece everything together where people were willing to talk. My parents in particular were willing to talk about what was happening. But this weird English teacher apparently had taken a paper I had written and said, if you read between the lines, it's obvious he's gay. And From a paper? A paper. And by the way, who gives a fuck if you're gay? I mean, who cares? Who cares? How could they have possibly cared? So they started sending me to a school psychologist who had a basement office at the public high school. So you know this guy graduated top of his class from an Ivy League school. Not. Some fucking loser. And they told me at the time it was because they thought I was dirty, that I that I was having they, dirty thoughts or something like that. So not, and I was like, "Holy shit, they're they, they're mind readers." <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I'm a 16 year old boy. I'm like, they're like, you're having dirty thoughts. I'm like, nailed it. You got <laughs> wow. How did they know? <laughs> but about like about girls, like you, of course, there's yeah. no question. I just want I just want my listeners to be clear. Like you don't you. I mean, not I, that they're. Oh, I I never cared. I've always been. uh, You're 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 squarely in the hetero camp. Squarely hetero, but who cares? Who gives a rat's ass? I've never cared. Yeah. In fact, I this is I I always felt like this this made me more sympathetic to my gay friends and and their plight. And I I've always had great friendships in that community. Uh, But yeah, so so they were. I find this is some of this. I'm going to tell you is was found out after high school when I finally was able mm. to pull it out of my parents. Mm. But so this psychologist takes my parents into his basement office and says um, that I'm, that I'm gay as if they need to know. And they also said something weird, like this, this story doesn't add up at all. It's bullshit. And that one of my friends is an admitted homosexual who had, had admitted to the school. He was gay. Cause you know how 16 year old kids like, Oh my God, I think I'm gay. I better tell the principal that doesn't happen. So that's bullshit on the surface. Wow. And then this fucker told, tells my mother, she made me gay by being an overbearing mother, which I don't think has ever been in any psychology book ever. I don't even know if this guy, I think this guy was full of shit. I think he, 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 on his application, like he meant to write, he was a novelist and they read psychologist. I don't know what it was. Cause this, he tells my mother she's, she made me gay by being an overbearing mother. Make, makes no sense. Makes, makes no sense. No not, not even sense. a little. And not these even repressed a intensely Catholic parents of mine. And they were, I mean, we were as Catholic. My dad was Opa's day for a while. Mm-hmm. If anyone knows what really? that is. Seriously? That's the. Look uh, that up, you guys. Yeah. I mean, they would say mass shit. in Latin. That's and, you know, yeah. The bad guy in uh, the Da Vinci Code is Opa's day. Like we're talking cultist, weirdo. And, you know, but I it's mean, also any- interesting that um, the, the guy wanted your mother to feel like he wanted your mother to have blame. Yeah. Like, like she, it was her she had blame. Right. And, and by the did way, did she take yeah. that on? Of course. Like that's so destructive. Yeah, of course. And, uh, and by the way, this, there was no signs of me and gang, but my parents believed him because here's this position of authority, sure. this person in authority saying that this is true. And by the way, I'm no psychologist, but I think I have a better understanding of psychology than this motherfucker. Yeah, that, and I'm going to tell you that I, I think there was projection. I think this dude's mad at his uh, mother. He's mad at his mother because maybe he was gay and he was mad at his mother for. I don't know well, what exactly was going on there, but there's no way 
that even in no, 1989, there's a, a textbook that says overbearing mothers make boys gay. No, and like, I and I, I totally agree. People who are the most be, uh, belligerent about other people being gay are often gay themselves. I know. And, and isn't that sad that we live in a society where they have to go hide sad. behind that mask? Yeah. And I feel sympathy for them. And I my, my wife gets down on me. She's like, you feel too much empathy for terrible people. And I'm like, they're victims too. So very often they, she's like, fuck them. Fuck them. I mean, I was saying the other day, at what point should we feel bad for Kanye? Who's clearly mentally disturbed and like, this guy needs help. And she's like, fuck him. I like You're your too sympathetic. You're too fucking sympathetic. I like, I like this woman. So I'm almost sympathetic to this, this psychologist. Like what fucked him up? Like yeah. he's a victim somewhere yeah. down the line too. I'm you too should, empathetic. And you, and you, I'm, I mean, I don't pretend to know what, I don't pretend to be right at all or know what's going on. But the thing is interesting to me is that you felt guilty about being angry at your dad or had some hesitation about that. And I'm wondering if there's something about you that you, 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 you feel really angry at these people. I don't know. I'm just grabbing at straws here, but maybe someplace deep inside, who knows, you feel guilty or not that you're not right to be angry at people that like that that you could that you that that it would be good for you to own the anger i don't know maybe i mean I look my dad in his last years of life was a hardcore trump supporter so if i can forgive him for that yeah <laughs> i can forgive yeah. him for just about anything but so yeah i mean i don't know yeah so, so anyway so your mother so your mother felt ownership of your gayness that yeah, was her apparently fault. i mean when this is Again, this these these details I dragged out of her years yeah. later, you know, and it was through tears that she's uh, telling me this. So it's not like she uh, was like, oh, you know, and, you know. So she feels bad about it now. Absolutely. I think, oh, you know. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love knowing that. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And so, so you know. yeah, go ahead. So, I mean, I didn't know why at the time, though. See, uh, but my life just started to really suck. Like it had, you know, it was tough already with bad grades and the bullies and all that stuff. And now my parents, like they were flipping out on me over this, you know, I mean, I didn't fully understand what was suddenly happening, what they were angry about and what they were trying to change about me. And they were particularly upset about one friend of mine um, who, again, like, I mean, wow, we're going deep here, but he's 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 passed on he had a tough life and he he in my opinion he he definitely was repressed that Mm. there was Mm. he was gay and it seemed Mm. maybe to adults at the time that he was he was a wonderful guy i loved him Mm. with all my heart and we ran around and we had a, Mm. a great time but they were they were suddenly even though this guy was a good student and a a, a nice a nice boy suddenly they didn't want him around and like, you know, uh, you oh. know, I've made the joke and it is a, a, a rather crass one, but you know, teenage boys stay out all night past their curfew. You come home and your parents are upset. They want to smell your breath. I thought they were trying to smell it for alcohol. They might've been trying to smell balls. I don't know what, you know. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> you know, That's hilarious. but it did happen. Yeah. And so at one point, uh, they, they did want to send me to a rehab, you know, and they weren't really clear about it. A rehab, you know. I it was basically rehab for gayness. I yes, like you could be rehab. Pray away the gay. 
pray, pray away. Oh, that's sad. That's terrible. Yeah. And, oh. you know, and I think they even had to go outside of the Catholic oh. Church. But it makes sense, it, again, overly empathetic, that if my parents believed they had made me gay, they also believed, why not? Maybe we can make him not gay. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Well, it was ob- the society, the, you know, the su- general pub- society made your parents feel like it was their fault. Yeah. And they Do also made them feel like it was a bad thing. Isn't and, that sad? Well, that, you know, that's. You know, that's not on your parents. That's yeah. just horrible. Yeah. That's just our world, which is that that that's yeah. And then you Did, look back. You, at, do you think your father had? Do you think there's any possibility that your father might have been gay or had any inclination? No. Or do you think that was any there? So that's not part of it at all. I really don't. No, I no. really don't. Okay. Because I mean, my father. Yeah. Wow, did he love redheaded women? Really? <laughs> yeah, and I've my wife's there. as is my wife, who oh. unfortunately never got to meet my father. But oh, boy, would he have me. loved her! I introduced them at his gravesite one oh. time. Oh, that's I was like, nice. "Dad, you'd wow, you." Love. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, my dad. Redheads were his his oh, thing. Okay, so he was a deeply. Hetero. My dad was deeply in love with uh, Doctor Crusher on Star Trek: Next Generation. That I was like his, that. he liked a sophisticated Good redheaded woman. Yeah, so so he that that wasn't it. I don't it think so. I think from, I think there was the your, shame it wasn't coming from your family. It was the shame of mm-hmm. a gay son that the, mm-hmm. both the Catholic Church and the streets of Chicago in the fifties uh, had had given him, and he's conservative. Isms that he that extended beyond just his religious. He was he was he was a Republican man, and he was a yeah. conservative man his entire life. Yeah, and he fucking hated hippies. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. My dad, I always say, my dad was a very honest man, and he would tell you. And you know, he was a climate change denier. Ah, and you know, he would say, well, you know, this, that, or the other thing, some bullshit. And I would pull out the the smartphone, and he'd be like, God damn it, I forgot you could look that up. And I go, so you know it's bullshit. You know it's bullshit. But you're just saying it anyway. And what does he say? And he would say, because he's because it would mean the fucking hippies were right all along. And he's not at his at this point in my old age. I'm not going to I'm not going to give that to them. Yeah. You know, in the yeah. 60s and Earth Day and the 70s and Earth Day and save the planet and Mother Earth. And, and, and he's fuck you. I'm going to burn my my fossil fuels and drive my car, stupid hippies. And then when climate change became a reality, he could not bring himself to say the hippies were right. Well, I, I often think that um, people that can believe uh, the whole like religion thing and that Jesus was a white guy and all that stuff um, will believe, you know, they're kind of set up to believe a lot of they're They just believe shit. They're not, you know, they're open to believing whatever they want to believe. Yeah. I say that like, you know, growing up Christian was weird because at one point they tell you that Santa Claus isn't real, but super Santa Claus is You know, <laughs> right. they're like, what? <laughs> Yeah, but, none, uh, of, none of it makes sense. I none know. of it makes real sense. So, so what happened? Did you get a lot of pressure on you after that? Or like what? Well, what I we... ended up running away at that point when really? I was supposed to go, which is for four nights. That's and a this lot. Is, that's, running when, away at all is Well, a here's lot. the thing. I knew this girl whose parents were out of town. Ah. And I stayed with her and we were having sex <laughs> while my parents were angry at me for not going to pray to a gay camp. I was somewhere <laughs> else having sex with a female and I couldn't tell them that because they're Catholic and sex is dirty and wrong and being gay is dirty and wrong. And I wow. couldn't, we couldn't, a little communication probably would have cleared this right up. And, you know, it wasn't until maybe That's senior year so in high crazy. school, I got a very nice girlfriend who suddenly was around all the time. Uh, and it started to dawn on my parents that uh, they were wrong. That this, like, it suddenly wasn't adding up anymore that I was gay, Uh, particularly since I had a serious girlfriend and then a series of serious girlfriends after that. But what did they, did 
did that did that so did that take the pressure off you did that change everything or i want to understand what what it was like for you when they were like what happened about sending you to gay camp or whatever and you running away like that must have been a horrible a horrible time or like what happened there we were a mess i mean my relationship with my parents was a mess as many teenage boys experience that's not so unusual you know uh my attitude was fuck you mom and dad you know Uh, as a teenager you know at that point anyway as was the popular thing to do with my group of friends because we like right. the punk rock music and the skateboarding right. and all that stuff right. so so you were cool with that but i didn't fully understand i mean like the relationship was a mess and then it just very interestingly i always say that you know my relationship with my parents it went full 180 where mm. i became their parents you know right um uh my dad towards the end of his life we'd go out to a restaurant you know my dad was diabetic because he ate himself into uh, diabetes and all these things and he'd be like uh, i'll take that i'm like no he won't sorry uh, don't don't write that down uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry no no no. what he's going to get is what you're going to get now dad what you're going to get is what you're and and if you eat all that then we'll talk about it <laughs> and i ended so up having, were they worried when you were away though did they did they like ha- they were checking up on me? I mean, I think but I they, called from they, a pay phone a few times oh, to let them know where I was. And they were like, get home now. And it wasn't oh. until uh, I think it was the third day that they were like, just come home. Just come home. You Forget know- it. Just come home. And I remember when I came in, uh, I walked in the door there. The family was having dinner. And my dad looked up and went, oh, good. You're home. Sit down. And it was kind of over and at that, that point. Well, I, well, I stood I my ground that. and I'm not going away. And I'm not. And. I think maybe they, you know, a clarity probably came over them as they lied in bed wondering where I was those first few nights uh, that like, what are we doing? I don't oh, know. That's like, cool. I don't that's know. Good. But that's again, good. I they... didn't understand any of this at the time. It was years later that my mother finally filled in all the gaps that I began to understand that's what was happening. And I didn't know anything about the psych- school psychologist. And I fucked right. that one up bad because when she told me, I was now 20 years old, living in Boston, going to Berkeley College of Music. And I'd come home only, you know, my, my, my hometown is only 20 miles from Boston. So I'd go for laundry and free mm-hmm. groceries on a regular basis. Right, it's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. And uh, she, over tears one night, she told me everything. And I said, I'm marching into that fucking school Ooh. tomorrow morning. And that motherfucker's getting a fucking piece of my mind. I'm going fucking mental. And she said, please, your little brother's still at that school. Don't do it until he graduates. And it was, I think, another two years until the little brother finally graduated. And uh, fuck it, I'm over it. And who knows? That guy's probably long dead. Oh, you didn't do it. And yeah, (laughs) English teacher who said those things about me she's probably dead and i i don't it wouldn't make it wouldn't make those people are already who they are like but and they were dead inside at the time anyway yeah they're probably dead all around yeah but you really wanted to i could see that i did yeah it's really sweet you know we only have five minutes left and i wanted to ask you one more question um that i'm just personally curious about and then we're going to i'm going to try and see if we can give out the dates and times of your shows and then we'll so let's let's do this. Um, so there's one thing that I'm just personally curious about, which is getting beaten up by other kids in school. Because I was always really afraid of that. My brother was a 
dork, a real dork. Mm -hmm. And he always, and he did not get beat up a lot. He got beat up a couple of times. And I'm wondering if that affects you in a way that maybe you feel more like I'm, I'm thinking that if you did get beat up by other kids and you got through them and were okay, maybe it gives you more confidence and feels, makes you feel safer with other people as an adult. What do you think? Wow. How did it affect you? I mean, to be honest with you, I think my, my little trick, my little out was I had it. I hope I still have a very vivid imagination, but as a child, everyone's said, Michael has a great imagination. I was a great storyteller. I would, uh, and so mm -hmm. I yeah. would lay in bed at night and I could really, really replay what happened that day in my mind, except this time I've got super strength and I beat the shit out of all of them. And ah. I would find myself grinning ear to ear and I could see it. I could see myself pounding that motherfucker's face into the ground. But in reality, because I had no balance, I had no aim, yeah. I couldn't throw a punch, Skinny. I wasn't strong. My defense was the worst, probably the worst of them all, uh, which was like, Dude, you can beat the shit out of me, but I'm gonna I'm not gonna fight back. And whatever pleasure you get out of fighting, put up your dukes, you little put it. Come on, fight back, you little fucking like. No, no, dude, I'm not. No, I'm not putting on my fists. Go ahead and punch me, but you'll know you you've punched a guy that, that 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 didn't even have his fists up. Go ahead, man, do what you're gonna do. Like, oh fuck you, and then they throw you down and push you around a little bit. Fight, fight. They want to fight, uh, and if you won't fight, it takes the steam out of their sails. Like, you know. Oh, that's. Great. But when I get home at night, I'd. Fucking beat the sh I mean, we're talking Superman so strength. I'd punch him in the face. So I'm going to say that maybe the way that you've learned to process your anger and you are forgiving for real is because you've learned how to work that out in inside your own head. Maybe that's it. Yeah. That and would I've be great. That's a, a gift. That's a yeah. gift. That's a talent. Maybe you did work that out. But I want to make sure that everybody knows. We only have two minutes. I want to make okay. sure that everybody knows that Michael Ruggiero, now you know, like there's so much to, wow, um, is performing, is is at QED tonight in Astoria at Liz mm -hmm. Glazer's show and Sunday. Tell us about Sunday. Sunday's Gotham, 8 p.m. Uh, you can buy tickets to the show on the website. Mention that you're going to see Michael Ruggiero. That certainly helps me. Tomorrow night, if you happen to be, I'm doing, I mean, not tomorrow night, uh, Saturday night, two shows in Jersey City. Rich Kamiko, awesome comedian, puts on a thing called the Laugh Comedy Tour. And that is at the oh, Dorian's Red something in Jersey City. Uh, two shows, uh, an early show and a late show. I'm told the late show gets a little blue. Uh, and by the way, blue comes from the old days. They would send an envelope back to the comics in a blue envelope that oh, said that. was the material they weren't allowed to talk about. That's where blue humor comes from. It's all it's all on my Facebook page. Yeah. Um, so you can see you can see it there. And um and if you if you Always it, go check out michaelregiliocomedy.com because he's got some really great skits and stuff like that. So I'm going to tell you to to do that. And you should really get to see him because he's not in town uh, that often. That often we're lucky to have him. And also I need to remind you again how great Radio Free Brooklyn is. It's fabulous it's a fabulous station we have got a great community here you know you can find out you know covid we're back we're back until the next wave of covid doing like outdoor things and stuff and get get our newsletter okay and then you can find out shit like what's going on because we're the most amazing community we are a really genuinely inclusive community of like 
just it's a it's really I mean uh, it's a great community of people. I can't I can't I. It's the truth. It's just it's just radiofreebrooklyn.org or radiofreebrooklyn.